Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 246. We're recording this live Friday afternoon, April <laughs> August 7th, 25th. I don't know where April came from. I was thinking baseball. We've been talking about baseball before we started here and I don't know, opening season. Jays are in first. Or Jays are actually contending, and that usually only happens in April. Maybe that's why I got confused, but it is that's not April 7th. It is. Yeah. it is August 7th, 2015. My name is Rob Woodward from TV, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as usual, located in the center of the known universe of baseball. Yes, it, it is Asif Khan of the Location-Based Marketing Association at home in Toronto, home of the Blue Jays, yes. <laughs> There's a little bit of pride emanating there from is. Blue Jay land. There is. I see. I've never seen this. Like maybe when the Raptors were in the playoffs, but I've never seen this side of like the pride, right? Because it's always the Leafs. There's always optimism in October, but then. Quickly, Sorry, did you just like associate the Leafs and pride together? I, well, no. I said that. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No. There's no pride there. There's no pride in Leaf Nation, no. uh, except for when they sign a, a GM, not players. When they get excited, when they sign a GM for eighteen billion dollars a year, but wow. there is pride in in Blue Jay Land. That's a rarity, man. That it's a rarity. I've got to believe. Got to believe this is an exciting team. And I was watching this, so this game uh, last night. Um, they they beat they swept the Minnesota Twins. If you're following baseball at all, and they propelled themselves into the second wild card position. Uh, of course, my New York Yankees are still four and a half games ahead of them for the for the actual division. But when they did these uh, post game interviews with guys like Paul Molitor, didn't Molly play for the uh, for the Blue Jays yeah. there during the he heyday? Did. He's like. And they interviewed a bunch of their players, and they're like, that team is freaking awesome. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's what they would say. Is the team is hard to beat, and they are going to be a thorn in this year's playoffs. There you go. Coming from the Minnesota Twins. The players on the opposition. I need not to say anything else. Right? I'm it's, doing it's, my job. It's all right, there. Paul Molitor has said it for me. There you go. Paul Molitor has said it for me, but I, you know, the standings don't lie. Blue Jays are in the playoffs, but uh, the Yankees are fully and uh, you know healthily ensconced in first in the top of the division. At the yeah. first, today is the first game of six out of the next nine head-to-head between the my New York Yankees and your Toronto Blue Jays. But it, but it, but it, there is something to say when the Jays can close three and a half games in a week. It's true on those Yankees. It's true. Right, we were seven behind last week, and now we're four and a half. Yeah, uh, look, you know what? Right, so. I have, I, I have nothing to say other than <laughs> the Yankees are still in first. But this is, we were yeah. talking about Location-Based Marketing Association uh, news here, Location-Based Marketing news. And, of course, we've got a great show ahead. Um, and I'm going to actually be in, hopefully I'm going to be in Toronto next weekend watching my New York Yankees trounce your Toronto Blue Jays Sunday. All right. Here we go. Sure um, live stream shall we jump into it? Well, tell me about the, uh, you've got, you've actually got some events that are accruing here for the LBMA. We do. We've got a couple things happening uh, in the month of August. Uh, starting with August 13th, uh, our friends at Geofedia have a webinar coming up at 2 p.m. Yes, Eastern time. Um, so go to geofedia.com to learn more about that. Uh, and then on the event side, there's two events actually happening. Uh, the LBMA New York chapter uh, has an event, uh, and this is an event uh in partnership with, uh, hold on, let me get this right, the C-Suite Network we've teamed up with. Um, and uh, this is August the 25th. It's being uh, held at the Harvard Club uh, in, uh, in New York City. Uh, 30 executives and companies uh, are, are confirmed already participating, including 
Clear Channel, Zotap, GFK Retail uh, is sponsoring the event. Um, uh, McKenzie Consulting, a bunch of a bunch of great companies. Uh, so that's uh, at the Harvard Club on uh, August the twenty fifth. Uh, so check that out if you're in New York City. And then uh, the following week on the thirty first, uh, from August thirty first to September second. Uh, there is the Mobile Payments Conference that's happening in Chicago. I will be there actually speaking at that one uh, called Mobilizing Retail. It's at the Hyatt Regency in Chicago and that is August, starts August 31st. Uh, both the New York and Chicago events you can find at the lbma.com forward slash events. Sweet. Chicago, home, home of a team that isn't going to be in the playoffs. Although the Cubbies are, are on a roll The Cubs here. might make it though. Can you imagine? Cubs in Toronto. Blue Jays and Cubs making the playoffs in the same season? That'd be pretty cool. Some polar ice cap is melting somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as I said, we, we are going to... Uh, I'm, I'm actually heading out on a vacation after this episode. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I will be on the road. I'm heading to um, Niagara Falls uh, because I've never... I've traveled the world. I've seen some high peaks. I've climbed some high peaks. But I've never seen Niagara Falls. So I thought this would be a great way to do it with my kids. And then we're getting the heck out of Niagara Falls and going up north. We're going to spend some time uh, in Blue Mountains, you know, north of Toronto, yep. and uh, hopefully get up to Tobamori, which is way up in Georgian Bay, um, and then eventually get down to Toronto. But I forgot that the Pan Am Games has the Parapan Am Games. So we're struggling to find a place to stay in Toronto that isn't, you know, 10,000 miles away from the city core. Um, so we are we're going to be in Toronto. So all I'm saying this is that the next episode will not look as polished as this because we're going to be doing it from the road, probably with yeah. bad Wi-Fi. And, and and I will be recording that next episode with you and then leaving myself the next day to take off on uh, on a trip as well. So yours is a better trip though. Well, mine's with my family. Well, yours, uh, you, yeah. To be honest, I mean I I like Tobamori, uh, so you know. Never been. I've never. I've never explored Ontario, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, last year we did Bi. Fantastic. Niagara Falls is just, you know, it just, it, it's just a wow experience. Yes. To see the power of it. Uh, but then get in and get out is what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what we're trying to do. And and the reason we're going up to Blue Mountains is there's some great caves up there, and the Tobamori yes. has the uh, the tulip rocks, right? And and uh, some sunken ships and wrecks and caves and hikes and and I uh, can't wait to to get out there and enjoy vacation. So all that. Be, bear with us for the next episode. It, it, it may not be perfect. All right. Are they, but they all, the rest of them are, right? So for sure. They're all fantastic. <laughs> They're yeah. all so great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So, um, yes, we got our, our usual five stories here in our truncated version, which is, which is getting good reception. We like it. We'd like your feedback of you if you like these just five stories um, that, that we cover here. But we've got our great five stories. We've got a guest in Thomas Jensen, who is from Proxbook, right? Thomas, yeah, Thomas Wale, actually. Uh, he doesn't use the Jensen. It, it, that is part of his name. It's Thomas Wale Jensen, but he drops the Jensen for formal uh, uh, discussions. So I should just drop my last name? Yeah. That's what just I'm just totally, going to drop yeah. my last name yeah. from now on. You're just, you're just Rob. Well, just Rob. Uh, and he's from Proxbook. You, you uh, had an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with him. So he's our guest. Back to the guests. And then we've got a couple of things around member news, three member news items, which are, which are great. Like they're case studies, right? So this is how, how other companies are implementing the things that we talk about here. So it's of great value. So stick around for that. And that is all going to be jammed into a very short episode. So should we get things going? Yes. Anything else? You got nothing? You got nothing else? I'm good. No more gloating? Nothing. 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 All right. I will gloat next week when we've uh, closed the gap to within like one game. <laughs> oh my god you are from toronto you are from toronto yeah all right 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's get things going. I get to start here with our first story of the week, and it's about a company called Walkonomics. And it has very little to do with economics. It has a lot to do with walking. Uh, but look, we are in a crisis here. Uh, we're consuming too much, uh, too many fossil fuels. We're driving around too much. Our, our, our air is polluted. It's too noisy. Let's walk a little bit more. And so the whole idea here is with Walkonomics. It is an app that actually helps you find peaceful, beautiful, serene, beautifully constructed walks to wherever you want to go. That doesn't, you know, you're not walking next to a highway. So that's ultimately what it is. They, they are trying to reduce all of these these things like reduce, uh, you know, carbon emissions and reducing obesity around this whole push about walking. Walking is walking. We've done it forever. People walk or they don't. It's not something that's forced or not. But if you have to walk, I think that the best thing to do is find walks that are actually pleasant to do it. So I listen to my, um, whenever I walk anywhere, I plug in my headphones and I listen to a book or I listen to a podcast and it's impossible to find a good place. I can't get good volume. I can't hear it when I'm walking next to a highway. So so this, they have this thing where they classify things as walkable streets. They have a number of categories that go into this, or a number of uh, pieces for this algorithm that enables you to find a walkable street, which is probably in a park instead of next to a highway. And they are things like road safety. It's easy to cross, pavement on the sidewalks, right? Some streets don't have sidewalks, like mine. Um, hilliness, whether it's up or down. Navigation, whether it's easy to find places. Fear of crime, smart and beautiful and fun and relaxing. And then so basically this thing called a walkabot takes all of those into consideration to be able to find you a walkable street in your neighborhood. They are uh, There are a couple of cities that they've got. So they've got Toronto, San Francisco, London and New York that are starting to uh, have walkable streets, uh, basically. That, uh, that enable you to you know, enjoy your walk a little bit more. The team is a very powerful team, I would say, when it comes to these the two founders, the co-founders, Adam Davies and Karsten Moeller. Uh, now, Adam is has 10 years experience in sustainable transport and retail location analysis, so he's a location dude. And then uh, Karsten actually uh, created OSM2PO, uh, it's a popular Java-based software that converts open street maps into a round, uh, a routable graph. Um, so these guys are experienced in doing this. So this is something called Walkonomics, walkonomics.com. And you can go download the application on iOS and Android. Anything Excellent. else there? Like, is, is this something of value? I think so. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, we're, we're in a society now where, uh, you know, we, when we do choose to, uh, you know, sort of unplug, if you will, from all the technology, and we get out into nature, and we and, and we want to do that, and we want to find time, make the time to do that. I think it's important to use the technology in a way that enhances, you know, what little time we have to spend, you know, walking or up at places in Tobermory or or wherever it is. So, you know, I I, I applaud these kinds of things. I think they're great. Um, yeah. So, and, 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 I, and the fact that that people have the time to build this kind of stuff, you well, know, I don't know how you monetize it. What's but the model? I think, yeah, I, I think it adds value to the people who uh, who are seeking to have this kind of uh, of experience. That, that's you know, my view is is almost the exact same thing. This takes density. You need lots of streets, and you need people to participate and commit to these things. And and uh, you know, you can check your street to see how how uh, pedestrian friendly your street is. And and you know, there's other uh, services that are around this. But but there's got maybe it's a data play that that these guys turn into revenue. But I, I can't commit to a, to something 
that isn't going to be around in a year because something like this, I, yeah, you know, unless unless you can kind of license the uh, like like the platform to you know, municipal governments or something like that to promote their city as yeah. walkable. I don't know. Really, the government. When was the last time a municipal government actually spent yeah. money? Right. You know, all I'm, I'm saying, just, uh, all I'm knows? saying is that this it's it's interesting, but but again, I, you know, I, I talk to so many companies that are kind of um, where, where I where I, I'm left with. That this is a great service, and and then, how, how does it how does right. it remain? Like, are you a billionaire? Because if you are, this is a great service because it's you don't there have to make go. money. Yeah. So I don't know, Adam, Karsten, are you guys billionaires? Uh, it's a great service, and I would love to see this grow. But I'd love to hear how you guys make make money. Walk, All right. Yeah, so walkonomics.com, and I'm not so curious, not so sure on the name either. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, I'm okay with the name, you know. Walk but you know, then I also am, a, am an uh, economics grad, so you know, anything that has that, uh, you know, that ending to it, I, I uh, you know, I, it draws my attention right away. So oh, one of my favorite books of all time is Freakonomics. So walk yeah, economics. So there you go. All right. Yeah, it's okay. All right. On to our second story. Go to um, Forbes. Uh, you know, the the big business publication that uh, we are all familiar with have teamed up with our friends at Tinder. And not for what you might think. Uh, speaking of making money and monetizing their platform, it looks like Tinder has found yet another way to do that uh, that has nothing to do with advertising. So what they've done is, is they've realized that their uh, algorithms, their matching algorithms for pairing people up and, and all of that kind of stuff has value and, uh, and potentially outside of the dating realm. So why not start to license their algorithms and their technology to other organizations like Forbes? So uh, I love this. This is a brilliant move by Tinder and you know, a nice little play by Forbes. So Forbes has basically taken the Tinder algorithms and technology and created an application for its uh, 30 under 30 community of young innovators and disruptors, they've described them. There's over 2,000 members in this community uh, so far. And uh, through this new app, uh, you can get activity feeds, member directories, messaging between other uh, members of the 30 under 30 community and opportunities for networking meetups. Uh, in fact, they held the the launch of this app uh, using, or, or sorry, the launch, uh, they had a launch party uh, event um, that was uh, pushed through this app in San Francisco. Over 100 members of the 30 under 30 community attended that, including the two uh, co-founders of Tinder. So um, I, I don't know what else to say about this. This is just smart uh, you know, business monetization of t of the Tinder platform in another vertical that has nothing to do with dating, uh, and just making use of what they you know the brilliance of their platform in a, in a whole other segment. I like it, and good on Forbes for uh, for seeing the value there. You know how how far into the future is everything? You know how we went we were going through this phase of the uberfication of everything. So what ha are, are we going to get into the the whole uh, Tinderization? of things as we go through is everything going to be like uberfied or tinderized you no mean? you know I, I i hope not um, <laughs> but, um but but what i but you know but what i i love about this company is unlike guys like foursquare that still can't figure out how to make money from their platform they have fantastic data you know they still struggle to generate revenue from it these guys have figured out hey we can sell you know advertising we can charge you know brands to uh you know, host events, uh, meetups, uh, and here we can take our actual technology and license it out, you know, to uh, for a whole other use case, and we can charge, you know, Forbes for that. So they've got multiple revenue streams uh, with this thing, 
Speaking of which, um, just as a sidebar story, uh, something that Rob and I talked about covering last week, but we did, we held it back, and I'm glad I did now. So, uh, in another revenue stream that Tinder has is uh, they signed this deal, uh, I guess two weeks ago now, with uh, popular uh, country uh, singer Luke Bryan. And he had a new song come out uh, called Kill the Lights, and uh, instead of releasing this uh, in the normal way you release music, and it appears on iTunes, it was released on Tinder. Um, and they had an exclusivity for like, I don't know, it wasn't just 24 hours, it was like a week of exclusivity before it appeared on iTunes. So all of basically last week up until the, the 4th, um, you know, this was only available through the Tinder platform. So again, like they're finding all sorts of interesting ways to, you know, make money from this platform and the massive user base of, of people uh, who are engaged on Tinder. You know, it'd be very interesting to to use Tinder, the swiping techniques of Tinder around music and songs and musical artists. Because yeah. if you set up your Apple Music, it's the same thing: is that you actually choose the artists that are influential or that you enjoy. That's right. And um, and that's all from from um, Beats Music, right? That that interface was created by Beats um, right. that Apple bought and and integrated. But uh, but it would be interesting to do that with 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 uh, Tinder, the equivalent of swiping left and right and center. I still would only land on Bruce Springsteen. Somehow. Somehow. It'd be like, everything points me to Bruce. Bruce and Britney, bitch. Right? Like, <laughs> couldn't even get that All out right. without, a straight, without, without screwing up. All right. Well, our, uh, our third story um, evol involves a mountain and some blind people. And usually this might end in disaster. But when you've got mobile technology and smart people involved, you can actually send five blind hikers... Uh, 80 kilometers through over a mountain without having a guide or anybody that's sighted. All just by using a mobile app, an experiment, experimental mobile app, um, a GPS system, obviously, and a cane, a special cane, a white cane that enables all of this magic to happen. This is, this is a very cool story. This, is, uh, this was in, I think it's in northern France, um, yeah. in eastern France, sorry, that they sent basically five blind hikers with this technology through, uh, they did 80 kilometers or 50 miles in six days through fields and forests uh, in uh, right around the, the German border in, some, in, a, in a small range of mountains. They, uh, the technology is actually worn in a small pouch and it goes over the stomach. And the Navi Rando, which is named for uh, randonnée, which is the French word for hiking, warned the hikers of bends and turns and rocks and cliffs, probably in trees or anything in, in, in front of them. And uh, it, it, it spoke to them just like Siri would or your, your GPS would to say, you know, slow down, turn left. It says point, there's a quote here, point 15, 11 o'clock, 194 meters. So kind of in a jerky electronic voice. Um, so this is pretty amazing. We covered a similar technology called Explore on June 1st in one of the in one of our episodes. That is is a uh, is a GPS enabled cane for people who are visually impaired to be able to walk around the city and get around um, and and pick a destination and then be led by the cane. And this is very similar to that. The only thing is that this entire place was mapped. They had people that went out ahead of time to map every nook and cranny of this trail that they were going on, and and they made the trail. Then uh, you know uploaded that that. Uh, trail into the app onto the smartphone and then programmed it and off they went and they made it a safe without any of them dying amazing pretty amazing pretty amazing um 
And, and, you know, but the technology has been used in other ways as well. And, and I think there was one guy, he's a 27-year-old, used the uh, Navi Rando to be the first, I think the first uh, visually impaired person to run a 26-kilometer trail um, along with 200 other, you know, people who could see. So all these participants, he was the only blind person um, that did this with this technology. So, you know, for those who think that technology is all about tuning in and zoning out, here's a perfect example of something that enables people where they could never have imagined before. And I've told the story of my brother and, and the ability yes. with the with his smartphone uh, and, and with a cochlear implant to be able to hear. Like, the, like this is, we're living in this world where maybe we're bionic or part robotic, but we are actually enhancing ourselves and giving people who didn't have the capabilities to do things like this 80 kilometers without a guide man now that takes a that takes a lot of courage don't you think mm -hmm. a lot of courage a lot of faith here take a smartphone and a cane head up those mountains we'll see an 80k six right. days later they show up uh, that's amazing so this is uh, this is Navi Rand is is what it's called, and it's uh, out of the uh, Strasbourg uh, University in northern France. Amazing, amazing, Brilliant stuff. amazing, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. All right, on to our fourth story, which is a, a new Kickstarter uh, project that has been launched by a company called Aware Stack, uh, and they've created this product that they call Aware Car, and. Um, you know, this is targeted at uh, all of us who, uh, you know, especially if you live in a big city, you park your car uh, downtown and then you come back, you know, a couple hours later and you find out you got a parking ticket for 50 bucks. Happens all the time in Toronto. Uh, I, see, I, see, I see the tickets all the time by my office and everywhere. Um, and so they're trying to uh, help you not get those big tickets uh, by providing you with this little device that uh, it's literally the size of a coin and you stick it in the glove box of your car and uh, it, uh, you, it sends updates to your mobile phone where you can uh, know the, where the location of your car is, uh, it'll tell you when the meter is about to expire, uh, how long it's going to take you to get back to the meter, so it calculates your walk time from where you are right now uh, to the meter. All of that so that you can make sure that you get back to your car and you feed the meter again before you get a parking ticket. Um, and that's just what it's designed for right now. They expect in the future they can add other features to this thing, like you know, looking at uh, uh, you know tracking fuel consumption and other you know services related to your car. Uh, like I said, it's a Kickstarter project. Uh, right now, you can uh, support this or buy your first one, if you will, for nine dollars. Um, so it's a pretty low cost thing as well. Um, and they're just looking to raise uh, fifteen grand. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Lowered expectations. Yeah, aware car. Aware car. Why fifteen thousand dollars? There's no way you can mass produce a product, even a simple product, for fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. There's no way. Right, you know what? What I would love it to do is to be able to jam the Green Hornets system. So they, <laughs> you know, the, here, put this in your dashboard, and you'll never get a ticket because guess what? They can't. They, they won't be able to, you know, transmit from your location. They can't print. It kills their devices. That's what I want to do. There you go. The meter's broken. Meter's broken. That's what it says. Have you ever seen the new television show? Maybe it's not so new anymore. Called Mr. Robot. Have you heard of this show? I've heard about it. Yeah, I haven't wow. watched it. God, I want his skills. That's all I want to do is be able to be a hacker. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to do that. All right. Our uh, last story before we get to our guest is uh, about a company, a small company called Embarcadero. 
Embarcadero. Heard of these guys? Embarcadero yeah, Technologies. Small there. Nothing small there. Well, uh, this is what we've we've often talked about the commoditization of the beacon world and and what it's going to take for beacons to actually be accepted and be part of the fabric. And here's a company called Embarcadero that is making it part of the fabric now. So they've created a, a, a from all I guess is that it's an add-on called Beacon Fence that ties into their software that enables the control of beacons and the management of beacons. Uh, so if you've got beacons displayed or beacons out there in the world, you can actually uh, see where they are. You can assign from here is that the One location, up to three beacons, one location. Of somebody else's software. And and that's what yeah. I think the big statement is here. This is... Yeah, and I think Embarcadero is a company that's, you know, like they're, like this is on the scale of, you know, SAP and Oracle right, and, yeah. you know, things like that, right? So they've got, you know, huge, uh, you know, huge customers uh, with big enterprise systems, and the problem with beacons uh, in general is, is too often you know you know we have small little implementations that are standalone little beacon things that don't integrate to anything else as far as point of sale or backend systems or whatever. And I think you know when you have a, a platform like this, you know that's the opportunity is, yes. is to do scalable deployment and manageable deployment that's connected to other things. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what they're talking about here is that the, the, the features and support that they've got is Bluetooth, LE, indoor-outdoor, GPS-free uh, technology, which is what we've been talking about. Um, you can use, um, there's uh, support for iOS, Android, Windows, and OS X devices, so cross-platform. Uh, it's uh, support for development platforms, uh, which I've said, you know, Rad Studio, C++ Builder today with Visual Studio and Xcode and Java coming soon. So really, this is going to be kind of just take this take this piece of technology, this piece of software, bring it in and start administering your beacons. Next, that's what it says to me. Okay, now now you can do that. Now now go and create some value. Um, but nobody's really taken into consideration that you know what goddamn power. It's the simplest thing that's going to detail yeah. the, the the beacons. It's power. It's batteries. So this is this is the software side. So if you're interested, you can go to embarcadero.com forward slash product products, sorry, forward slash beacon fence, or you can just go to embarcadero.com and take a look for beacon fence. That's it. All right. Five stories. Five stories nailed very quickly for you. Now we have a guest. You got to sit down uh, recently, obviously, with uh, Thomas Valley. Is that how you say his name? Valley? Yeah, Thomas Wally. Yeah. Wally. Of course, I can never get it right. Um, that's it's why I okay. It. It's all good. Yeah, he. Uh, so I've insulted Tom, him twice. Thomas now. is uh, somebody we've talked about before. Uh, you know, he's actually one of the co-founders of Unicast uh, out of Norway. And uh, in addition to his day job over there, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we announced this, the launch of this thing called Proxbook, which is a, intended to be a, a global directory of what's going on in, uh, in, the, in the geo world of uh, solution providers around proximity technologies and users of such technology. And um, so we, talk, we, you know, we talked about it when it got announced, but I figure we should just go directly to the horse's mouth and hear from Thomas why they wanted to kind of launch this thing. It's got nothing to do with Unicast. It's a whole separate, you know, for the industry, uh, you know, goodwill uh, venture. 
and uh, we're really happy to be part of it at the LVMA. Uh, and uh, so, I don't need to say anything else. But just for the record, Asif, I just got his name wrong. You called him a horse. Yeah. Okay, I'm just saying that. Like, I got his name wrong. You called him a horse. So, uh, you know, yes, t- Thomas, you if go. you're watching this, you he's the one who insulted me. It was me. It was, it was Asif. So. All right, so here he is, Thomas Wale uh, of Proxbook. Well, it's that time of week where we get to have a special guest on the show. And this week, uh, I'm excited to welcome Thomas Wale. He is the uh, one of the founders of Unicast, a company that uh, we've talked about before on the show. But uh, he's not here to talk about Unicast today. He's here to talk about a new initiative called Proxbook. So, Thomas, welcome to uh, This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Thanks, Dave. Thanks a lot. So, um, you know, maybe uh, it's a pretty new thing. Uh, so maybe you can explain what is Proxbook and, and uh, why you created it. Yeah. So uh, Proxbook is uh, the world's largest directory of proximity companies. And the mission of Proxbook was to connect the proximity companies to potential customers and partners worldwide to all in all kind of grow the proximity industry. And uh, we collaborated with uh, Steven Stadler uh, from New Location Essentials on this project, as well as the Location-Based Marketing Association. And uh, so far, we see that more than 150 proximity companies have completed their profiles on Proxbook, and more are joining every single day. Fantastic. It's, uh, I like to see things that are uh, you know, getting rapid uh, adoption and, and pickup. So the, um, so, so ultimately, who is Proxbook for, and, and how does it work? Well, so uh, first of all, kind of the challenge that we saw in the market and the reason we created Proxbook was that uh, you know, we all see that the proximity market is growing very, very rapidly and there are more than 300 companies uh, from our last count that offers proximity te- technology. However, uh, we felt that there was some uh, lack of information, lack of transparency of who's doing what. Uh, so it was challenging for the retail and brands to figure out what proximity companies should, should I choose? And there's no place either for the PSPs or the proximity companies to showcase what they do to the world except on their own website. Uh, so the whole reason with uh, Proxbook was to create this marketplace where proximity companies can showcase what they do and retailer brands agency can find the right proximity provider. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll challenge you just a little bit to say that there is a place called the Location-Based Marketing Association where a lot of these uh, retailers and brands can uh, can get a lot of the information. But you're, you're right in to say that, you know, sort of one place where everybody in the industry, whether you're a member of the LBMA or not a member of the LBMA or, or, or yeah. not, is... is uh, you know, is needed. So uh, we're, we are very happy to support this initiative and, and get behind it and, right. and, and help promote it as well. So that's that's fantastic. So it, it's for uh, PSPs, uh, you know, providers in the industry. It's for, um, you know, the, the brands that are seeking solutions, uh, you know, to be involved in the industry. Is there any um, fees involved? Is there anything uh, that anybody has to do? How does it work? Well, it's, it's actually super simple. Uh, for the PSPs, uh, they can just create a profile on Proxbook. And so they list up the different technologies that they provide, the verticals uh, they are in, and the markets they operate in. And they can also upload use cases to kind of tell the industry what they have done previously. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a way kind of to showcase what they have done. Uh, on the other side, if you are a retailer and a brand uh, looking for a specific uh, proximity uh, solution, you can go onto Proxbook and you can click and say, I'm in Spain, 
I'm a museum, I'm looking for NFC and beacons with analytics, and you will in real time be able to see what kind of companies that can provide such a solution. Great, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. So um, now on sort of the back of this, it's been running now for you know a few weeks, a uh, month, I guess, and uh, you know obviously getting good, good traction. But uh, you're uh, also announcing the release of something called the Proxbook Report um, that kind of uh, is based on this. Uh, what are the, some of the findings uh, from this report? Well, so I think uh, sitting on data from 150 proximity companies that kind of gives us a very comprehensive overview of what's going on in the market. Uh, so yes, we decided to share all of this insight with uh, everyone else and then therefore creating uh, the Proxbook report, uh, report, kind of the state of the proximity industry. And I think uh, one of the key findings we saw was that how widespread proximity uh, has become. So more than 150 companies have signed up. They are spread across 31 countries. Uh, they offer solutions in 19 verticals and offer more than 14 different proximity technologies. So the whole proximity market is, it, it is becoming very comprehensive. Uh, and we also saw that in terms of uh, geography, uh, of course, US is the country with the most uh, beacon of proximity deployments. Uh, but when we talk about continents, Europe has in total the most proximity sensors deployed. Interesting, very, very interesting findings. And obviously it's only gonna uh, expand from there as you get more companies into the uh, in, into the Proxbook system itself, and uh, yeah. you know, you're able to get a, a more finite understanding of, of what's happening in, in, say, Asia or Latin America yeah. and, and some of these yeah. other markets. So, yeah. uh, anyhow, we we uh, thank you for uh, for joining us. We applaud this effort. Uh, again, we've been chatting with uh, Thomas Wally, uh, the uh, one of the guys uh, behind the uh, creation of Proxbook. Uh, again, an initiative that uh, we're very pleased to be part of at the LBMA and. Uh, we wish, uh, wish it all a good success. Where can people go to, uh, to get involved in, in Proxbook? So they can go to proxbook.com, uh, sign up if you are a PSP, and look for the right PSP if you are a retailer and brand, and that's also where we are publishing the Proxbook report. So there you go, uh, www.proxbook.com, uh, proxbook.com. Uh, get involved with it. Check it out if you have anything to do with the, uh, the location uh, industry in this space. So thanks yeah. so much for uh, joining us, uh, Thomas. Uh, have a, a, great, uh, a great rest of the week. Thanks for having me. So thank you so much for doing that. Because Asif gets to speak to me all the time, and uh, I am neither of those things. Not doing anything good for the industry, yeah. you're smart. So. No, you, you're smart. It's just when you start talking about the Yankees, then you know, like you're, you, <laughs> just, you, you, you just go down a few levels. Right? My knuckles start dragging on the ground, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like I just, <laughs> oh, oh. Yankees, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you go to proxbook.com, P-R-O-X-B-O-O-K.com. If you want to talk to somebody smart, I guess you have to talk to Thomas. Hmm. There you go. All right, let's finish this off with a rapid round of member news from Mr. Khan. Yes, I decided this week to uh, go with, uh, for our three pieces of member news, to go with uh, three brands uh, uh, who we do a lot of work with, uh, who've done some interesting things in the last week. Uh, first, we'll start with Target. Uh, Target's been in the news this week because they uh, have launched a pretty significant test of beacons in stores. In fact, 50 stores, 50 Target stores, They've launched this new uh, this new beacon platform. It's actually using Estimote uh, beacons, 
What's interesting about it, what's a little bit different about it, is that rather than you know the beacon just talking to the app and popping messages up uh, sort of willy-nilly, if you will, uh, when you're in a, in a particular zone or what have you, uh, you may know that Target is very well known and very well respected in the industry for their cartwheel uh, mobile app. Uh, this is the platform that uh, you know Target customers have come to rely on for deals and everything else. And so they've tied this beacon uh, test to the cartwheel app. And what's interesting is is that rather than just kind of pushing um, uh, notices to you, they have built a what they call a news feed-like service into the Cartwheel app called Target Run. Um, and then users can find content in through this newsfeed service based on their location in the store uh, that's being pushed to them by the beacons uh, that they're in front of. So it's kind of like a home page, if you will, in the app uh, that you've opted into that is only active when you're in the store. Um, so it's very, very interesting. It's a very different way to think about it and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, uh, pretty major initiative for a big retailer like Target to uh, to launch this across 50 stores as a test. So there you go. Our second piece of member news uh, is from our good friends at Coca-Cola, and uh, you know uh, they have been for a while now with this whole uh, share a Coke campaign, and we've all seen the Coke cans and the bottles with the with the names of people and and things on them and. You know, I'm sure uh, Rob's got one somewhere with uh, with his name on it. I have, I actually have one right here. Look, I'll, I'll grab it. Not with Rob's name on it, but like, you know, there you go. They've just uh, just launched here, and so instead of you having names on the cans and bottles, they're capitalizing on this uh, th this big interest in emoticons. So instead of sharing, you know, a name, now you're going to share an emotion uh, with somebody in terms of how you feel uh, today or how you feel about somebody. Um, and so this, you know, this seems to be getting a lot of interest over there. Uh, emoticons are huge. We know the Asian market in general has always been, you know, very um, well tuned much so more so than North America you know around comics and cartoon images and anime and and things like that so you can understand the appeal of something like an emoticon um, you know in that market I mean not not that they're not popular in North America they very much are uh, we've talked about you know emoji keyboards and all sorts of crazy stuff right um, in the last uh, few weeks so uh, you know we've moved from sharing a name on your coke can to sharing an emotion using emoticon on your coke can in Southeast Asia. And then the last news uh, is just a quick update again, another Beacon story, uh, this time shifting industries from retail to the hospitality sector. Hampton Inns in Seattle this time are running a pilot, this uh, using uh, technology from SnipSnap and Signal360 uh, to deploy Beacons in uh, their hotel uh, chains in the Seattle area. Um, so when you arrive, at a Hampton Inn, you'll be greeted with personalized messages, uh, digital concierge services, directions, and, and special offers. Um, and it's across Seattle at the moment, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see how that goes. So it's making its way, you know, outside of retail into you know other other segments of the industry as well. So there you go. Three quick uh, updates from some of our uh, our members. Perfect. That was quick, Steve. Nice. Yeah. Beacons yeah. everywhere. I thought we'd be past the whole beacons world. You know? Yeah. 
I don't know. It, it's. Uh, I, I think we'll. I, I personally, I think there's still another good uh, eighteen to twenty four months of uh, of beacons. Of, of, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, you know, a, a pretty major provider in the beacon sector, and they said that uh, you know, th there's certainly a lot of pilots uh, all over the place, especially in retail, but nobody's really done any major, you know, full scale every store rollouts other than you know the HBC stuff you know that we we talked about and uh, the Macy's deployment with um, uh, Shopkick. Shopkick right yeah. so there's been very few uh, you know when you look at the number of big retailers out there and and chains out there very few massive full full chain rollouts uh, across the board so there's still I think a lot of opportunity for uh, service providers in the space you know, it's it's funny because I, I um, we we branded. I do this mobile commerce minute with uh, Chuck Martin, um, yeah, and and we publish a couple of posts a week, and and we rebranded it because mobile commerce is kind of they sounded started to seem repetitive. All these stories that we talked about, and we we rebranded the show into the Internet of Everything show just to talk a little bit more broadly, and and uh, you know it'll have a retail focus as well. But we covered just recently the most recent episode um, on August sixth. Uh, it's called "Where Is All the Revenue in Beacons," and it really talks. It's three minutes. It's a short, short listen, but it really talks about where the revenue is going to land in beacons. Because we went through this world of awareness in 2014 to experimentation in 2015, and I think that you're going to start to see the revenue coming in 2016, 2017, yeah. and uh, and so Chuck Chuck covers it pretty succinctly about where you think the revenue. Is. So you can go check that out on untether.tv. Beacons, beacons everywhere. That's beacons it. to the left of me. All right, those top five stories. Good guest in, with Thomas. Uh, we've got uh, from Proxbook, and we got three um, little notes for member news. Anything else that we did? We miss anything? That's all I got for now. We talked about the Blue Jays. We talked about the Yankees. Location-based marketing. We stuff. didn't talk about Springsteen yet. We haven't talked about Springsteen yet. Well, I'm just going to. How about I say this? So um, that's our show. I thank you so much for the so privilege much. of being able to perform uh, for it for you. For the privilege of being, of being able, able to, to perform do it, it for you. For the privilege of being able to do it, and so here it is. My moment is ending. Folks, we'll see you next week for episode number 247. Now, here's my moment. By request of the man himself. Thanks for everything, John. We wish you happy and safe travels. This train.